the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it's a Thursday, but it's going to be hot. Really hot, 100 degrees today, with heat indices about 112, 115. You know, typical uh, summer weather going on in Arkansas. This reminds me about when I first got here, back in 2000. And uh, you all had been going, uh, had been having a, a big heat wave at that time. And I think it was the day I arrived, it was the 13th day of over 100 degrees heat indices and um, I remember moving in and um, it was hot outside but it was really hot inside that moving truck and uh, we had just moved down from uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota (laughs) and I I don't know if we had even hit 85 degrees up there yet uh, for quote summertime in North Dakota, and it was it was it was miserable until I acclimated. It took me a couple of months to acclimate down here, but uh, man, I love it down here now. Bring on the heat! I like it being hot. Doesn't bother me at all. Now I will admit, I go home from doing my show in the uh, in the afternoons. I get home about one. And um, I sit down in my recliner in my air-conditioned house, which I don't keep it cold. I mean, what do you keep your air conditioner in your in your apartment, uh, Heidi? What do you keep the temperature at, basically? Um, the temperature, I usually keep it around 75. You know, I don't. I, I try to. I try to conserve energy. Okay, so you don't do like 72 or 68 or something like that. My friends, like 68 degrees, and yeah, I go, I can't, I can't handle that. That it gives me a headache going yeah. from the hot to the cold like that. So we keep it about 78 degrees in my house. From the Arctic tundra to the Sahara Desert. <laughs> yeah, really, really. That's exactly what they do. But I, I keep my fan on. Uh, I get a fan. I keep box. I love box fans. Man, I grew up in the 50s. Come on. Box fans were like you had to have a box fan back then. Nobody had central air unless you had a gazillion dollars. So, uh, I mean, I remember sitting in front of the box fan in front of the screen door and uh, the fan being in front of the screen door and blowing the hot, blowing hot air on you, and uh, it, you know you're sweating so profusely. Of course, it would cool you down. Now at night, that was all right. My dad put a big old fan up in the attic, and uh, we lived, uh, I guess, about ten miles from Lake Michigan. And at night, that nice cool air would come in off of the lake, and you'd end up having to get under a blanket. 
at night, about 2 o'clock, you'd wake up and you're shivering and throw a blanket on to sleep the rest of the night. So that that was nice. And then early in the morning, it was pleasant in the house. But by, uh, by afternoon, it would heat up again and you'd be miserable. Uh, I didn't have any air conditioning, uh, none. I mean, not a window unit or anything until I was 16. And uh, we moved. Dad, Dad had had some heart problems, and we had to move out of our house and move to an apartment where he didn't have to do lawn work and all that. Because let me tell you what, my father would not let us do the lawn work. The lawn was his. Uh, and, and it always looked really, really great because not, not only did he did the, do the whole thing where he would mow it, but he had one of those... Uh, I don't know what you call them. I mean, there was an edger is what it was, but it wasn't an electric edger or a gas-powered edger. It was one of those that had the thing on the end of the stick, you know, the pole, and he'd be running up and going up and down the, the side of the lawn, cutting the, the grass off and making sure that he had straight lines against the, uh, the sidewalk and stuff. I guess that kind of stuff came out of his time in the military because he was in World War II, and I guess that was just some of the stuff that he did while, you know, when he was on base and things, and so he carried it over into his uh, his civilian life later on. But anyway, he couldn't do it anymore, so we moved into an apartment, and my mother loved it, all right? My mom was all about air conditioning. She loved it, and uh, she would she was one of the people that liked to keep it like a, a, fall, a cold fall day <laughs> in the house, and... Uh, and, and Dad didn't argue with her. He liked it a little, a little bit more moderate. But uh, you guys out there or that are married know that there's some things that are worth fighting about, and there's other things that it just, you just, you might win the war, but you know, win the battle, but you're going to lose the war. So he just, he, he, he just went along with it as far as that was concerned. But then I, I lived in an apartment complex. Uh, um, all through high school and stuff, but yeah, yeah, just didn't have that whole thing with the air conditioning. I listen to people now, and they they, they die without air conditioning. And, and to be honest, I, you know, I would be uncomfortable, but I could I could survive. You know, I would I just open up the windows and put my fans, put my box fans in the window or whatever. Just make sure you get to keep the air blowing on you. Turn the ceiling fans on. Get it all going. Be. Uh, be cool that way. Do it that way. Hey, coming up at 635, Grover Norquist is going to uh, be for, uh, with us. Uh, Americans for uh, Tax Reform is the group that he is with. And we're, we're going to talk about uh, Biden kind of let it slip yesterday in Cleveland. I don't think he wanted to give this information out, but it kind of slipped where he, he made the statement about uh, Democrat tax cuts. You, I don't know if you heard about that or not. Uh, but yeah, he said something about it and he did not make any mention about you know, or tax increases, pardon me. And um, he's a Democrat. He would never say tax cuts. Uh, tax increases. And uh, bottom line is is that uh, that's what Grover's going to talk about. Uh, the president uh, has a plan 
that uh, the Senate Democrats are moving ahead with, and they're doing it very quietly behind the scenes. It is really radical tax spending. Uh, it's like a slim down, build back better boondoggle for you. Uh, but uh, some of the things that are in this, and uh, Grover will get into this more specifically for you coming up at 6.35. Uh, new taxes on energy, a carbon tax, a global minimum tax, excise taxes on prescription drugs, and billions of new spending to expand the IRS so they can make sure that they get and squeeze every penny out of you uh, when uh, April 15th comes around. So we'll get to that here in uh, just a few moments. Right now, let me remind you about East End Towing and what they're up to. Uh, They're up to making sure you don't get stuck on the side of the road and can't get off of it. That's what they're up to. they got the biggest fleet of tow trucks around here in central Arkansas. You call them, somebody will be dispatched to you to take care of you. All you have to do is call them at... uh, you know, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. These are guys uh, that belong to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. Uh, they're a licensed and insured tow operation. All of their trucks are permitted. They know what to do if you're on private property. They know what to do if you get if your car breaks down. They know what to do if your car doesn't break down, but your trailer does, that you're pulling your, your camper on. They can help you out. All you got to do is call them. 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. All right, so uh, fallout still continues uh, from this guy that uh, shot up Highland Park, Illinois. By the way, uh, during the interview they had with him, and uh, he confessed to doing everything, that he shot those people, killed seven people, wounded, you know, dozens more. And uh, then during the interview, uh, he let out that, Uh, He had known that Madison, Wisconsin, was having a big uh, Fourth of July event, and he was going. And you know that's not very far from Highland Park; it's a little over an hour drive. And he was going to run up there and uh, and visit them. And he had like sixty rounds of ammunition left, and was going to open fire on their parade. And he said he they said that he told them that the only reason he did not do it is that he hadn't had time to really plan it. He didn't want to just jump in willy-nilly and do it. And then how about that story out of uh, Richmond, uh, Virginia, uh, which is about, what, an hour and a half south of uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, some guy hears uh, a couple guys talking, and they're talking about shooting up uh, the 4th of July celebration there. And he picks up the phone, calls the cops, says, I, listen, I, I heard these guys talking. And they're thinking about shooting up, uh, you know, the, the 4th of July. And they were able to find these guys. I guess it, this happened like on Saturday. Uh, so it was a couple of days before the 4th. They found them. They get into their homes and they find all kinds of uh, weaponry that they had bought, all kinds of ammunition that they had. Uh, and they were going to, you know, carry out one of these mass shootings. And both of them are illegals here in the country completely illegally. They crossed the border. Uh, 
down south where, you know, it's so porous right now you can't stop anything. I mean, it's a sieve. If you had a, if you had one of those big sieves that you can use to measure, you know, you can pour the macaroni in that you've boiled the water for so you can make mac and cheese, uh, you know, people are coming across like the water can be held by one of those, which you can't. And they can't, they can't hold the people. There was a, they had a video this morning on Fox News taken by, taken by a drone of at least 500 illegals crossing the border in one spot. And how worried are they about getting caught? They were looking at the drone and waving at it and smiling and, hey, how you doing? Coming over to join you guys in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, keep that in mind. That's that's going on. Uh, Highland Park's mayor is calling for stricter gun control. Now, here's what she wants. She wants a she wants gun control to be completely nationalized. Take it completely away from the states, totally, and it's the federal government uh, that does all of it. Uh, she touted her city and state's gun control laws. Now, she did this on MSNBC uh, with Reed uh, last night and said that if it weren't for Indiana and Missouri, their laws would work. What they didn't get into was that this, this, this kid, and I'm calling him a kid. I'm 69. He's 20, 21, going on 22 went out and bought his weapons in Illinois. That's what he did. He went out and bought everything in Illinois. He bought the guns and passed the background checks in Illinois. So what kind of laws do you want, woman? It ain't Indiana and Missouri. They didn't get the guns there. And Illinois has been blaming Indiana forever that that's where the guns are coming from. It's not true. I mean, you can buy guns in Illinois as well as you can buy them in Indiana. And uh, went through background checks and everything and, and was okayed for it. Uh, she asked, uh, Joy Reid asked the mayor about frustration over the fact that there are no existing gun laws that could have stopped this kid from getting his firearms. And she says, uh, that's been my beef all along. Every single time we've heard about a mass shooting, it's always prefaced by, quote, it was legally acquired. The weapon was was legally acquired. To me, that says that we've been failing to pass appropriate laws for years and years and years. So what does that mean, Miss Mayor? Does that mean that you want to make them totally illegal? And somehow you think all of the guns that have been sold before can never be used in a mass shooting. Is is that what you're saying? If you are, they need you're certifiable. You really are. You are insane. Because you, you, look, the, the 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 horse is out of the barn basically, or the cow is out of the barn. Whatever animal you want to leave out of the barn, it's out. It's running. Can't get it back in. And uh, and she says that, you know. We haven't passed any appropriate laws since Sandy Hook. You had laws when Sandy Hook happened that couldn't stop Sandy Hook. 
All right? Think about that. You know, Columbine happened before Sandy Hook. Use it. These people say things and nobody challenges them on anything. She then went on to tout Highland Park having an assault weapons ban. So did that do any good? He bought the gun in Illinois. So let's talk about we as a city passed our assault weapons ban in the wake of Sandy Hook because we felt we needed to make that statement. You see that? They wanted to make the statement. It wasn't about stopping everything, anything. It was about making a statement. The state of Illinois gave us a very small window in which to pass that law, and so we did. Highland Park, Illinois, already has some of the toughest gun restrictions in the country, along with Chicago and Cook County, which also bans assault weapons. Authorities confirmed that the shooter legally purchased his weapon, having passed four background checks in the state of Illinois since 2020. You know, I'm glad at least the truth is getting out, and they're doing that. Although the alleged shooter legally purchased the guns in Illinois, the mayor said, but let's be clear, it needs to be a national ban. There's nothing to stop anybody from going to Missouri or Indiana. Those are close enough places picking up whatever they want and coming back into Illinois so there can't be a patchwork. Anybody who will listen to me, I'm begging you. We had that during the 90s. People still used them whenever they wanted to. It's, it's silly stuff. I'm sorry. It's it's just silly, silly, silly things that these people say. They don't. They really don't understand at all about uh, that. That other story, though, is, is very uh, chilling about Richmond uh, because uh, they stopped what could have been a really bad uh, situation. Uh, in Richmond on uh, the 4th of July as well. And these are guys that came just came across the border, just walked across the border. Uh, they said, I haven't, they haven't figured out what their motive was. Well, their motive was to kill people. That's what their motive was. I don't know. Was it to get their 15 minutes of fame or whatever? I have no idea on that at all. But uh, that, uh, that's what was going on. Now, kind of interesting that uh, they've been looking at the Highland Park uh, parents of this kid. And uh, they're saying there's troubling information on that. Uh, when the police came for the domestic uh, disturbance that they had at the house, and they found this kid had multiple knives and swords and stuff, uh, they uh, confiscated them from the kid, and the and the father stopped the police as they as they were leaving and said, "Hey, look, uh, those are not his; those are mine." And he took back possession of the uh, the knives and the swords. There's a, there's some things going on there that need to be looked at as well. It sounds to me, uh, from what they've said about the mother, the mother felt. Uh, she didn't want to deal with the kids uh, when they took them to the different events. Uh, they were the last kids that were always picked up, if they were picked up. And uh, there were some problems in the home. 
And it sounds like maybe some people, maybe I don't know, in, in Illinois, I'm sure they've got some kind of family services. They should have been turned over to them uh, so that uh, they could take a look at what was going on behind closed doors as far as that's concerned. But I think we just got to understand, you know, it's some, this is something we're going to have to live with. Uh, and it's going to take... Uh, Good police work, which it uh, it does. It's going to take good things from uh, you know people like you and me. I mean, look, if I saw somebody with an AR-15 uh, acting uh, wild and walking down the street or something, I'd call the cops and say, "You need to take a look." I called the cops this morning in in Cabot. In fact. I was coming to work. I was coming down Highway 5. I'm going, you know, south on Highway 5. And there was a pickup truck in the northbound lane driving southbound. And I called and, and, and said, guys, you got a car going the wrong way down Highway 5. They asked me where. I told them. Uh, a truck. I saw a truck uh, get over in the other lane and go around this pickup truck and he just stayed he just stayed over there uh in uh on the uh, uh going northbound on the southbound lane so i hope that the cabot police department did something about that before something bad happened i had a friend uh that i worked with at karn that was out on um what was it six thirty, going over to river bridge there and was hit head on by somebody going the wrong way so Got to be aware. All right. Grover Norquist is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our taxes going up. He'll tell us. Hey, if you want to save money on your health insurance, talk to Pat Davis. He'll uh, save you 30 to 50%. That's what he says. All you got to do is call and talk to him. For instance, get rid of those copays. Not going to have those any longer. Get rid of all of those big deductibles. I mean, what good is it to have uh, what you think is really, 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 really good health insurance and you got an eight or $10,000 deductible? I mean, you're going to be digging through your wallet for a long time before you ever scratch the surface of your health insurance. So figure out how to get rid of those as well. And that's how uh, Pat Davis can help you save a lot of money. 30 to 50% in the course of the year. $500 for an individual. I've heard of uh, small businesses saving as much as fifteen k working with Pat Davis. Call him at 501-605-6935 or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. All right, let's get to the man of the hour. I love having this guy on because he cuts to the chase and gets to the truth. Grover Norquist shows us Americans, you know, for tax reform, working on things uh, uh, that you don't hear about. He's always working, man. Always. Now, yesterday had a big meeting there in Washington, D.C. He brings a bunch of conservatives in. And you want to keep up with what's going on with conservatives in the country? Go to one of his meetings. It's great. I'm, I'm going to try to do that when I'm at Hold Their Feet to the Fire in September. Grover, how are you this morning? I am doing well. The economy, not so well. Yeah, you're right. It's doing terrible. Absolutely terrible. And it's it's interesting that the uh, the administration and a lot of news people can't bring themselves to say, well, gas prices have come down. 
and all these other prices have come down. People are selling off commodities and things, and it's like, what's going on? It's because that light at the end of the tunnel is a recession you see coming, and it's about ready to hit. There was a question about whether we were in a recession. Uh, not quite as stupid a question as Biden's, do you think it's inflation? <laughs> do you think it might stay? Um, do you think it'll be over by December, last December, last December? Uh, but typically, people say a recession is if you have negative growth, if the economy shrinking rather than growing for six months in a row. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first three months of this year, January, February, March, it was down 1.3%. Not up, not growing, shrinking. That's right. China grows like 6% a year. Uh, you know, <laughs> Biden's got us at negative 1.3 a year. Pretty soon we'll be over there with some small country in Europe. Uh, but the next three months, uh, the, the Atlanta Fed does something where they call GDP map. And they look in real time and they say, what is GDP doing? Usually these guys wait until the end of the quarter, and they look back, and they take several weeks to do the numbers, and they'll tell you what happened. These guys, with great accuracy, give you the numbers as they happen. They say, this quarter, we're down 2%. So not only is it negative, it's worse than the first quarter, the first three months, which were negative. This is, this is officially a recession. This is not good. And there is nothing that suggests that the president knows or cares about fixing it. We could have more jobs and create more wealth if we did more exploring for energy, if we allowed uh, energy development in, in offshore, in Alaska, where they're, they're begging for it in Alaska for the jobs and the opportunity. And he doesn't because he has the theory of the universe, um, which doesn't include inexpensive energy. Yeah, fo- he's, he's done with fossil fuels. All right. He said that. Well, he says fossil fuels, but he means all energy that's efficient and people would buy at market rates. That's correct. The only energy is for stuff that needs subsidies, needs government control. Subsidized industries make very large contributions uh, to politicians. Unsubsidized industries actually tend not to care what politicians think. They don't want to be stolen from, but they don't need anything from the government. Yeah, it's just it's really amazing. Now they had a big loss uh, with that Supreme Court ruling on the EPA, which was a great ruling for the American people. But you're right. You know the reason a, a recession is coming is because people are paying so much for energy and for the cost of their food and things. They don't have money to buy other items that they t- you know typically go out. I mean, restaurants. I know this for a fact. I've talked to a lot of owners. They're suffering right now. I mean, people are not coming out and eating. Well, and the other challenge is it's hard to get work when Biden gave $2 trillion away to people and didn't require their workforce. I mean, remember the $2 trillion thing some gave to the states and local governments, some directly. If you give somebody money instead of having to go to work, it's a rational decision to decide, I'll go to work later. Um, And now they want more money like that. Uh, to disincentivize people from going back to work. I mean, there are 10, 11 million jobs open mm-hmm. people aren't taking them. That tells you somebody's spending too much money on welfare. 
Yeah, they got 11 million jobs available, only 7 million people to, pe- to fill them, and the 7 million people don't seem like they're really in a big hurry uh, to pick up a job. I, I, I'm all with you here, uh, Grover. The thing that bothers me is this information that I've seen uh, from your organization saying that the Senate is quietly working behind closed doors uh, for more tax and spending. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about this? Because if the oh, stuff that you got yeah. here is going to happen, we're in for a really bad time. Yes, Biden wants to do his tax and spend thing, calls it build back better, build back broke, something. Uh, and one or two, two senators have said, we're not excited about all of that spending. Mind you, they're willing to do trillions but just not as much as Biden and every single Democrat congressman and every and 48 of the 50 Democrat senators have all said yes to the biggest, most expensive, most wasteful, high-tax, high-spending thing ever, okay? So it's just two senators that go, yeah, we like to waste money, but not that much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the question is, can they agree on a somewhat slimmed-down uh, version of... Uh, Dumbo the elephant. I mean, it's not going to be really small. It's going to be uh, much too large. Uh, and it looks as though they've cut some sort of, well, they're saying they've cut some sort of deal with Manchin. Uh, Manchin is the senator from West Virginia who promised people when he ran for office, he looked in the eye and said, I'll never raise your taxes until I can be convinced they're not wasting any money. Right. He didn't say with a straight face that they're not wasting money. Uh, and, he would, and, he, and you shouldn't uh, raise taxes during a recession. Okay if you're paying attention. But he seems to have caved. That's what they're saying. You could, you could be pleasantly surprised. Uh, and if they're going to come up with some more taxes, uh, what the president's wish list was was 35 different taxes, 11 raising the price of energy, 11 raising the price of energy. So he's supposed to care about the oil prices and gasoline prices are high, but all of his legislative fixes make it worse. Yeah, I was looking at this, and the one that really jumped at, out at me, the the taxes on energy and carbon taxes and all that, 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 that all doesn't surprise me at all. He's been talking about that forever. The global minimum tax, when G7 was together, they were talking about that. But this excise taxes on prescription drugs, that one got my attention because, you know, the Democrats have been jumping up and down and yelling and hollering and saying, we got to bring the price of drugs down, and here they want to tax them. Well, you're trying to put in something like wage and price controls, which for the last 3,000 years of history, going back to the Romans and the Babylonians, never worked. Yeah, don't work. Because uh, what they do is, if we're going to tax uh, or set prices for new drugs, well, I think I'll go invest in Tesla, <laughs> not drugs, right. because nobody nobody puts price controls on cars, right? Uh, but as soon as you put price controls on something, why would you want to go risk capital, your time, your career, building something that the government's going to say, well, you're not really going to get paid for it. Uh, you're not going to get back what you, what you put in. Uh, that is a very, very bad idea. Uh, and one of the reasons the United States leads in a lot of new drugs and cures and so on and we get cancer drugs a long time before Europe does because Europe puts price controls on them and it waits until you know the thing's not new anymore and then they okay now you can have some of that they keep the rest of the world keeps their prices down cost uh, through rationing true you don't get it 
uh, and if you're a certain age, you don't get certain operations and you don't get certain drugs. Uh, and it, it's very expensive in terms of lives and, and quality of life. That's why people from Canada move to the United States to get serious operations, or not move, they come across the border uh, to do it because they're denied it in, in Canada. Or, or not denied, just the waiting list is longer than their you know, uh, life expectancy. That's so right. It's kind of like denying something. Can you talk a little bit about this billions of new... I mean, I understand this. They're going to spend a lot of money to update the IRS because if you're going to have more taxes, you want to have a government quantity out there that can get the most, you know, squeeze the most money out of the taxpayers as possible. This is interesting. Uh, if you call the IRS, your chance to ask about a question or because they send you a snotty letter, you owe us money and say, I think I don't. I'm calling you to explain to you. Um, your chances of actually getting your call picked up are very low. It, it, it's now less than 10%. Uh, and because many of the IRS, almost all, they won't give us a number. Many IRS people work from home. How hard do you work from home if you have a labor union contract which makes it impossible to fire you? <laughs> and, uh, and then you just don't have to do that much work. So these people are at home. They're not picking up the phone. Uh, and... So they said, well, if you give us $80 billion, $80 billion, we'll hire 87,000 more people. They're not taking phone calls. But what the 87,000 are going to do is they're not there to take your phone call and work out the problem with the IRS. Those are going into enforcement. And they have admitted, well, our friend Biden says, it's only going to be the big companies. That's it. That's not what the IRS says. In their statements, public statements, they say, we're going after small businesses. That's where we think we can squeeze more money out. There's no more money to be had out of General Motors or Exxon. They have live-in IRS agents in those places, okay? Uh, the big companies, you know, just the public companies, everything about them is uh, easily checked. Uh, the place where the government thinks that they can get you is self-employed people, small businesses, restaurants, and so on. That's who they're going to target. And they tell you that in the IRS's own literature. Biden either didn't get the memo or is lying because he always says whatever he's doing is uh, only going to hurt rich people uh, on the theory that people will go, oh, that's not me, and not care. Uh, the challenge is trickle-down uh, taxation is all new taxes are introduced on rich people, like the income taxes. You, know, you had to make $11 million in, America, in today's dollars to pay the top 7% rate uh, on the income tax back in 19... 15, 16, 17. Uh, well, you know, it's not 7%. is not the top rate anymore. 7% is higher than the bottom rate. It's lower than the bottom rate right. uh, that people pay, and about half the country's hit by it, not just a sliver. Uh, but they're, they often put in a tax saying, this is just rich people, and then one, inflation makes us all rich over a generation, uh, and two, uh, they bring the numbers down. You know, they, they used to have millionaires' taxes. They had one in Maryland. A millionaire's tax hit anybody who earned $100,000. What? I thought you said millionaire. Well, if you had a million dollars and you had 10% interest, that's 100000 So your work, it is if you had a million dollars in the bank and you were living off the interest. Okay, that was their theory. Um, but so when they tell you millionaire's tax, you go, I don't make a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's not it. That's, that's the seduction. That's to talk you into uh, surrender. I got you. 
Grover Norquist is our guest, president of Americans for Tax Reform. He'll be with us just for a couple of minutes uh, more after we take this break. i got to get it in, and then we'll come back and talk further with him here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, it's uh, 649 on a Thursday morning. Got 11 minutes to the top of the hour. We got uh, more things to talk about. And uh, David Lucas Financial wants you to know if you don't know how to buy silver and gold and how to protect your nest egg, they can help you out with that. All you have to do is call them, 501 222 3315. You can learn more about buying silver and gold. Know that the folks at David Lucas Financial work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. But you got to call them to talk to them. 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. You, got, you don't have to buy one of those, call one of those companies that's on uh, Fox News or whatever. David Lucas Financials right here in Little Rock, and he can work with you on this kind of stuff. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Our guest, Grover Norquist, he is the president, of course, of uh, Americans for Tax Reform, ATR.org, the website. You can go there. You can keep up on all of this. I highly recommend that you do. You know, uh, Grover, we've got inflation going like crazy. We've got a recession that's getting ready to start and uh, starting to pick up speed. How long before we hit stagflation? Well, uh, we have inflation and a recession. I think we're in stagflation. The question is, can we get out of it? Well, we have done that once before. Uh, Jimmy Carter gave us inflation. Jimmy Carter gave us recession. Uh, Jimmy Carter spent too much money, threatened tax increases. Uh, and what he gave us was Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And Reagan cut taxes, deregulated the price of oil. Right? The Democrats, they were keeping the price of oil low because they had a regulation. Well, what that meant was people were not looking for more. So when you got rid of the, the, the price cap on oil, prices went down, not up, down, because more people went out to look for oil. But they weren't going to go look at something if the government was going to determine the price. So you, you, we also had the deregulation of trucking and airlines and railroads. The government used to set prices for all those things. You, you think this is Bulgaria, 19. You know, 56 or something. But really, like, if you wanted to drive a truck from one city to another to, to bring chandeliers, you had to get permission from the government, mm-hmm. not just buy a truck, okay? Um, and that went on since the 30s. You know, I mean, talk about bad ideas the government has that do not go away until they get so bad, we dramatically drop the cost of, of shipping in this country. That dropped the cost of everything. Um, and Reagan got the Fed to stop printing money, uh, and that, and then we cut taxes by a third, 25%, 25% across the board. So starting in 83, uh, January of uh, 83, which is two years into the Reagan administration, when the full tax cut took effect, we created 4 million jobs that year. 4 million jobs that year. And that's an economy that, with a workforce that was about two-thirds of what we have now. All right, so Grover, let me ask this last question, and that is, what yeah. should what should my listeners be watching for? What should they be listening to? Do is this something that this administration will try to do before November, or will you know? Are they just do they know that if they do it then that November will really be a red tsunami? 
Well, I think they're deer in the headlights. They don't know what to do if you pass some of their left-wing stuff. They probably lose bigger in November. But if you don't pass the tax and spend stuff now, when are you ever going to get it? Because they're likely to lose the House, maybe the Senate, uh, and then Biden won't be able to ever get his trillions and trillions of dollars to its friends. Um, so uh, there are some people arguing either way. Uh, you know, from the Democrats, you know, pass everything because we're going to lose. And the other guys, don't pass everything because we're going to lose. Uh, I don't know how they're going to resolve that. Uh, the most important thing to do is in every state fight for good policies there. I know the incoming governor in Arkansas wants to phase the income tax out. There are 12 states that have actually begun the process of phasing out their state income taxes. And those states, like the eight states that have no income taxes now, Texas and Tennessee and Florida and so on, are going gangbusters compared to the blue states. So you can you can do a lot. Forget Washington. You know, we don't know what Biden's going to do. We can't stop him if, if, if the D's all get together. They can pass a bad bill. You can only stop him by defeating the Democrats this November and getting rid of Obama two years from now. That's a good idea. Uh, that if, Let's find ourselves a Reagan and vote for him. Uh, but you can do a lot of good. The governor of Oklahoma said it's his policy to go to zero. Uh, Missouri, the governor there, just vetoed a tax cut, which was just send everybody $500. No, we're going to take the rates down permanently and get down towards zero. Iowa t- taking their uh, top rate from uh, 6.8 down to below 4 in the next four years. That's dramatic rate reduction. They're going to do a single rate tax uh, in Iowa. Kentucky, in 10 years, there'll be no income tax in Kentucky. They voted to phase it out step by step, reining in spending and using the revenue that comes in to pay down the income tax. Mississippi, Mississippi, right on the border with Arkansas, in three years, they're taking their uh, marginal tax rate down by a third on route. They said in 10 years they want to be at, at zero. Louisiana's passed the bill. It's not as strong as some of the others, but 15 years from now, the income tax will be down close to zero. That's on automatic uh, pilot going forward. So those states that are doing California wants to raise their top rate to 15. Now, where do you think success is going to be? California? or in the states that are going to zero on personal income taxes. Yeah, well, we know where it's going to happen. Maybe they'll fall off into the ocean. I keep hoping. All right. (laughs) Grover, have a great day. We appreciate you joining us here today. All right. Talk to you later. Grover Norquist here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You want to know about taxes? You get Grover Norquist on. He's got that stuff in memory. It's amazing to listen to him just kick out all of that stuff about all the different states. All right, Joe and, and Duck are going to be coming on here in the uh, the next hour. Don't miss the 9 o'clock hour today. Lori Lee is going to be here. We're going to talk about school choice. Another hour on school choice here today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Big news right now breaking over in England and, uh, you know, Boris Johnson has resigned as Prime Minister in England. So that's the big news from across the pond. I'm Dave Ellswick. Stick around. we got more coming your way.
I'm going to tell you. You're going to start driving around, and you're going to start seeing gas going down. Don't let it get you too excited. I'm just warning you. Don't get too excited. Yeah, it's it's because, well, the, the recession is on its way. And uh, what, what, what happens in a recession? Businesses cut back. People are going to lose their jobs. They're not going to be uh, running the factories as much. And when that happens, uh, there's not as much stuff to take out and uh, deliver to stores and things of that nature. So uh, because of less demand for gas and diesel, it goes down. Problem is, you go, well, Dave, that's not bad. Prices go down. Well, might not be bad, but that's considering if you still have a job. I mean, you, I'm just telling you, get ready. It's coming. I keep, I keep telling everybody that, that light at the end of the tunnel, that's not the end of the tunnel. That's the recession coming this way, and it will be ugly. You just heard Grover Norquist tell you that uh, our GDP first quarter went down about one. It was 1.6. They re- revised it. It was 1.3, then they moved it down to 1.6. And uh, as uh, Grover was talking about, they can they can watch this stuff in real time now, and they think that the GDP in the next report will have fallen uh, a negative two percent. Yeah, that's what I heard him say. And that's not good. I'm just telling you, it's not good. Yes, Joe, you were going to say something? No, I, oh, I, I was just listening. <laughs> and it's going to get. And, and I'm worried. I mean, for all of you that are over fifty-five, maybe. We're going back to Jimmy Carter times. You know what it was like. Yeah, interest rate was 22%. Yeah, hold hold on tight because the ride's going to get bumpy for a while. And, and I'm with Grover. The only good thing that Jimmy Carter ever gave us was Ronald Reagan. Yes. And, and did you notice what Grover said about voting on the next president? We've got to vote for the next Ronald Reagan. Now, I don't know if we can find another Ronald Reagan, but maybe we can find somebody who believes in, in the uh, uh, economic policies that Ronald Reagan believed in. You've got to have somebody that's got a little business sense. I would sure hope so. I, I sure hope so. But we'll find out. It's we'll kind of, find out it's because kind of like it's I, coming. It's kind of like I say about an engineer building a vehicle. It ought to be mandatory. He had to do mechanic work for five years. <laughs> Wouldn't he, Joe? He yeah. would change a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. They need to know. You need to know. It's just like when I work. We have the number one person at a radio station is the general manager. He is the is what the the title says. He t- he's over everything. Well, the best general managers in the fifty three years I worked in radio have been general managers that have worked their way up. Mm-hmm. Through the, the system. Yeah. All right. Well, and they were on the talent side for a while. They know how that all works. Then they moved over They moved over on the side where the real money is, the sales, sales side. Yeah. And then you work through sales, and then you, you figure out how to balance sales with, with talent and all of that, and you run the whole station. Well, we just got a new GM here that's done that. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited for it. How do you tell you? I, I got a little bit more, you know, lift in my step and a little bit more of a smile on my face than the GMs that were before him because he knows broadcasting. Oh, you say you're turning flips? I'm, well, I'm not turning flips exactly. 
I don't turn flips until after the first year, and I've seen them under pressure. Yeah. And then I'll turn flips if they're, if they're still doing the right things at that point. What's happening in the world of, uh, you know, B2B, bumper-to-bumper certified service centers? Busy. Very busy. I, I was talking to Lynn, and she said she drove by your uh, garage the other day, Joe, and said she could not believe how covered up in cars you guys were. No, we are. It's just, I mean, it's everywhere. It, yeah, parking lot's only so big, and, and you can only uh, do so much. And, you know, the heat is... is uh, uh, Working on them. Yes, I promise you. It's it's tough, you know, and, and in and out. The car, you go out and get in a car, and it's 250 degrees in it, and you're trying to drive it and diagnose it and it's just tough on everybody with it 100 degrees outside well good for your people though that when they're in uh inside the garage it is air conditioned oh it is it's 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 doing the best it can for fanning the doors pulling them in and out and when those hot cars come in it takes a while to cool them off but they're like heaters sitting in yeah if you run one in the shop same thing so yeah it's it's better than nothing but it's it could be you know if it stayed in the low to mid 90s we're okay but if you get past that 95 mark and get up there 100 101 it's tough i know i remember going over to joe's a few years back and you had the swamp coolers yeah and had those babies on and uh it was it was unrelenting then oh yeah it's it's hot in mine but Mine's a little bit too big to be air conditioned. Well, you got to do those big old eighteen wheelers yeah. and stuff. That's and they must get really hot. They do. They they get really hot. And like Joe said, you're trying to run a vehicle in there to figure out what's wrong with it, and you're throwing all that extra heat. I did put some exhaust fans in my building last year. Uh, I put them up real high so it sucked the hot air out of the top of it. Yeah. And it helped tremendously. It lowered it down in there probably 15 degrees. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Big difference between, yeah. you know, 185. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, as yeah, far as that's it, concerned. It, it made a world of difference, you know, by putting the exhaust fans in there. And and I leave we leave them on all night long. We don't turn them off. We leave them on all night. So it's steady pulling the hot air out of the building all night long. So. You know, it, it makes it when you go in there in the morning where it's a little bit cooler than, than you know, than it would be if you didn't have them. All right. So uh, people don't do the necessary preventive maintenance on their cars that they should be. It's costing them so much for gas, costing them so much to buy their uh, their food and things. And so they, they cut back on a few oil changes or whatever. So that, uh, that makes the car susceptible, let's put it that way, to this additional heat, does it not? Oh, yeah. I got a construction truck in there. It belongs to the construction guys that's on the interstate building it. A uh, guy come in, and he said, man, I, my air conditioner just don't blow cold. It don't blow. And stuck your hand in on high. You could hear it trying to blow, but it just barely coming out the vents. So Blake pulled the dash out yesterday, and the, the evaporator core it was solid mud. And the guy said, how come? I said, look at your floorboard. You guys are getting in and out. They dry that dirt, sits in there. Then they shuffle their feet around. The pickup tube is right there by their feet. And sucking it up. And it, you know, and the the evaporated core is wet. So what happens when dirt sticks to it? it I mean, it, it can't go nowhere. It had probably a quarter inch thick all the way over it. So was that just a matter of cleaning it up, or did you I, have to replace it? I replace it. You can't clean them. You start messing with trying to clean them, you knock a hole in it, or. 
you know so you know we but we replaced the heater core and the evaporator core at the same time but good thing about dodge they come out with a cabin air filter kit for them now and yeah, cut a got, slot in it got to cut a slot in put case, it in yeah what they should have done from the factory but you know like i told the guy he said why didn't it do it from the factory i said think about this how many hundreds of thousands of them dodge trucks they've sold that filter kit that you buy from Dodge is like $38, $39. Oh, you got to buy it from Oh, them. yeah. <laughs> and then you got to cut the hole, which, Dave, it is marked where to cut the hole. Mm-hmm. On the firewall? Yeah. It's on, on the heater box. Oh, it's on there. the heater box. Got a okay. template. It's got a template already there. You just cut the hole out, slide the filter in, snap the cover over. The ears that snap the cover over, they're already there. But so they, just, they knew they needed it. They didn't want to do it because it would have cost them. So what they did is they went ahead and gave you a template to put the thing in that is bought by the customer. Oh, yeah. But you just think about how many dollars they've saved. Yeah. I if, can, if it cost him $10, and, 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 you know, and that's why I told the customer, I said, think about that, how many dollars they saved by knowing that it's going to stop up and knowing when you pull it out and put one in it. Okay, we're going to go ahead and put a filter in. Yeah, we, we'll make you pay for it. Well, they already, uh, it's twofold. They save $10 a vehicle, and they sell a million vehicles at $10 million. Mm-hmm. Then they sell you the kit to fix it yeah, $40. and the evaporator and everything. So they actually made money off of it both sure, ways. Sure, they made it both coming yeah, and going. That's yep. it. They got it both on both sides of the, of the coin. They got money off of it. Wow. Wow. You know, he was all upset. I said, Go look at any Dodge you want to look at. Now, once you get on up into the 19 models, they got them in there. But, you know, any of the – and if it's a work truck, it don't have a period, even if it's a 19 or a 2000 or whatever. You're going to put it in no yeah. matter what. Okay. I got you. All right. So are they backlogged on those? I actually Dodge had three of them in stock when I picked it up yesterday. <laughs> okay. They're not backlogged yet. I thought maybe Buttigieg would have said, no, we got problems getting them. I was telling Joe I got a, I got a customer who needs a – uh, turbo for a six seven Cummins, it stopped up, burnt the the actuator up on it. Ain't nobody in town got none. All right, so let me swing it back to Joe. How how hot does it have to get before you realize that your air conditioning of your car maybe can't keep up with what the temperature is outside? Well, it depends a lot on what kind of vehicle it is. Okay. Yes. And it depends a lot on whether or not the vehicle is fully, completely full of Freon. Because if you're like 10% low, it's going to be fine in the 80s and 90s. If it gets 100 degrees outside, you're going to lose some coolant temperature coming from the vents because the system's not fully charged. You might be a little bit uncomfortable in your car then. You're, you're not. You, you, you'll, you'll feel cold air, cool air coming out. It won't be as cold as it should, but it won't dehumidify the air enough to keep the moisture out of it. Mm. That's what makes you feel comfortable in a car. It pulls you, the moisture out of it. You have to understand, now, the square footage inside a car, if it's six foot by six foot, that's... How many square feet? Twelve? Okay, yeah, twelve is four square feet. Well, six by six is six times six is 24 square foot, okay? Yeah, Yeah, volume, it's different. All right, 24 square foot, all right? The heater and air conditioner in an automobile is the most efficient of anything. It's, it's, It's probably 50 times more efficient than your house. Wow. Because... The vehicle's got glass in it, and the sun shines into it all the time. Everything in it gets hot. But you sit down in it five minutes later going down the road, 
you're comfortable and you're not sweating no more and you feel that cold air, it's working. You get in it and when it's 10 degrees outside and the windows are iced up, 10 minutes down the road, your windows are thawed out and it's blowing 150 degree air on you. Mm-hmm. And you know what the temperature, average temperature of a, a normal operating AC vent temp is in an automobile? It's somewhere between 48 and 52 degrees, isn't it, Doug? Yep, about 50 degrees. Yeah. Wow. I know. I, I set mine mm-hmm. now with it being as hot as it is because mm-hmm. so I, I want to dissipate the heat. I crack the windows and let the wind blow some of that real hot heat, heat out and turn it up on 65 degrees on my what? my air conditioner. You just take these new vehicles with the with the one two three four YF Freon in it. A lot of them don't take but 13, 14 ounces. And if you get one down a couple ounces, that's a significant I mean, you're losing that much coolant, you know, and uh, and if you own a General Motors product, you can just book it. You're going to put a, a condenser in it. Yeah. It's a truck, that's for sure. <laughs> a truck or SUV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to put a condenser in it. I sent two to General Motors last week for warranty because they come in and said, hey, might, you know, check it. And it ain't no problem to see it. All you got to do is squat down, look through the grill, and you, you can, can see it. Who is it, De- Denny? At, uh, Carter. Uh, Carter, yeah, over Carter. Yeah, you're I've, doing I've so got, good I've work got, on that. I've got three to take him now to drop off mm-hmm. to him, give to him. He'll fix it for you. Yeah. You'll get it taken and care it, of because he knows on what him the problem it. is. Yeah. They know what the problem is. Yes, they do. All right. 19 minutes after 7. Uh, Joe and Duck are here. You got a question for him? How about your air conditioner? Is it working the way you want it to in your car? If not, call him. Ask him about it. Uh, 501-823-0965. Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, they use bumper-to-bumper parts. Uh, when they're fixing your car, they go to BTB uh, to get those parts because they're two-year, 24,000-mile warranty on them or a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty if you've used the, the bumper-to-bumper card. And uh, that includes the labor to put that part back in. So you got that going for you. Not to mention all the other things that Bumper to Bumper offers to uh, you know pay you back on towing and all kinds of stuff. That's something you should ask Joe and Duck about when you take your car in. How do I get that kind of stuff? You'll tell them, right? Sure. Yeah, we got a brochure. We'll give them. All they have to have is a, is a, a receipt, and they're qualified. Any bumper to bumper, and even for an oil change, they get three free roadside assistances, whether it's a tow, whether it's a lockout, whether it's a fuel, whether it's a spare tire, makes no difference. All they do is call the 1-800 number. They have to pay for it up front, call the 1-800 to be dispatched to them. They pay for it up front, then send the proper paperwork in with the receipt, and they'll receive $75 rebate on it. There you go. It's that Easy. simple. If it's over 75 bucks. Well, you had you went somewhere where probably you had to go further than twenty miles to have the tow done. Well, still, I mean, you're still getting you're, you're getting seventy five dollars of your money back. So yeah, it's, it's a good deal any way you look at it. Yeah, the the most expensive tow that I've ever paid was when I my car uh, the uh, pump went out in it, and uh, I had it towed down from northwest arkansas back to joe's to have mm-hmm. it fixed yeah. that was the most expensive tow i've uh, I, I ever paid for ah, dave that's cheap that's cheap huh yeah that's cheap i had a motor home towed oh lord back in january got hit on the interstate down down at the 111 mile marker five grand all right well i haven't had that happen yet <laughs> i hope never to have it happen a break more coming your way here on the dave ellswick show 
right, back with you. It's uh, 25 minutes after 7. Joe and Duck are here. Uh, we just spent, you know, quite a bit of time talking about your air conditioner on your car or your pickup or whatever. And rightly so, because I'm going to tell you what, if you've been forced to go that back to 180 air conditioning, whew, it's hot out there. But, yeah. but there again, Dave, you're speaking of air conditioning being a little bit lower Freon, a little bit lower water on the radiator, I do the same thing, one Joe. Absolutely. You know, Low cooling is, is you horrible. Can, you can take a quart of water on these new cars, and, and you're taking away 7 8% of their cooling capacity, and if it don't have it, Overheat. It's gonna it's gonna cavitate and overheat. Not good. That is no. not good. Ninety nine percent of all head gasket failures are due to one thing. That's overheating. Yeah, something caused them. And then that's that's just the effects of overheating. That's not what caused it. Well, you have to it, find the cause to and, fix that too. Otherwise, it'll happen again. And it used to be the heads were so heavy, mm-hmm. you had a little bit more leeway. Now you don't have any leeway at all. No. no. No, you take a 5.3 head, it, it weighs maybe four pounds, ready to go on the head, you know, ready to go on the block. Or used to, they weighed 15, 18 pounds. Just telling you. Well, you, you got, you've got a lot of things working here against you when it gets this hot outside as far as the coolant system goes. One, most engines now are cooled by an electric fan, not a manual fan. Yep. Those fans, a lot of them have two-speed, three-speed fans, more than one. And you got relays, and you got controls for them. You got electric motors, and yes, those motors will eventually wear out, and they won't run as fast as they should. So they won't pull enough air across the radiator and the AC condenser. And you may not know it's not running. Most of the time in the summertime, you know yeah. the temperature goes up. Yeah, you'll pull up to the red light, and all at once, your air conditioner quits working. And that's because it's not got no air going across the condenser. And just the high pressure went up on it and tripped it, right? Yeah, it kicks the, you know, turns the compressor off. And it's a good thing because it keeps from burning everything up. Then you take it back off down the road and it goes back to working. And the customer come in and say, it, it works fine driving down the road. I put a stop sign and it don't work no more. Mm-hmm. You go out there and look, the coolant fans ain't working. And put the monitor on it and watch them. And they, they'll tell them to turn them on, but the fans won't ever come on because the motors are bad. And like Joe said, nowadays they'll they'll start off slow, then they go to two speed, then they go to three speed. Even big trucks are doing that now. We're used to they only had one speed when it kicked on. It was whatever the RPMs the engine was turning. That's what it's turning, but it, not no more. And it used to be it was run by a belt. Well, they're still run by a belt, but 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 they're controlled through the through the ECM on them, and, and the hotter it gets, the faster it'll make it turn. Fuel saving, you know, they get fuel savings off of it too. Yeah, the big trucks are like that, and the passenger cars and trucks are just electric fan motor. It's turned, told to turn on when it turns on. That's what you got. Well, these new ones now, you know, used to they was all worked off of air. Mm-hmm. Air, you know, you either put air to it to turn it on, or you know, or whatever. It had a solenoid valve there. The computer read what the what the temperature was, or what the AC needed, and it would turn it off and on. But well, now they're all electric. And it, it's got four wires going to it, and it just tells it, hey, I need you to turn X amount of RPMs, and, and that's what it turns. And if it needs more, then it's, you'll hear it is speed up, you know. But that's the deal now. And it's all fuel savings, Dave. I mean, it's all well, trying it's to all get the fuel savings. it's all cafe stuff. Up. I yeah. understand that it's all because the government forces the car manufacturers to get so many miles per gallon in perfect conditions. And we're – <laughs> And used to you could you could take one that worked off of air and you could pull it off, build it, put a kit in it, 
put it back together for about fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars. Well, now four or five thousand dollars. Well, you take an automobile today that you know years ago the, they'd have a hundred and eighty degree thermostat in them. You could put a hundred and sixty in them. Now they're uh, one hundred and ninety five to one hundred and ninety eight. Yep, two o two. That's before the water starts to circulate. Then it circulates and it cools down, and then the thermostat closes. Okay, yep. hold on. Right. We'll pick it up on the other side. We got uh, Bill O'Reilly coming up, so let's do that, and then we'll come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You got a question? Five zero one eight two three zero nine six five. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing. Uh, maybe your roof has been denied up in the Cabot area or up here in Ward, Austin, where we had the uh, the hailstorm a few months back. And if that's happened, you call the folks at uh, PI Roofing. They'll come out, re-examine your roof for you at no cost, and uh, and get it fixed for you. Uh, they can help you with the insurance people. Some of the insurance agencies are being horses' butts and uh, turning down work on roofs up in that area because there's so many of them that need uh, need work on them. Uh, number there, 501-707-3551. 501-707-3551. It's the only company I've ever used for roofing. It's PI Roofing, and they do the job for you. All right, back with Duck, back with Joe, 736 on a, uh, on a Thursday. And I'm glad it's Thursday because that means tomorrow is Friday. Yep. And I'm ready for my Friday to get here. I got to go get my oil changed over at Joe's tomorrow because um, I was approached by my wife and she said to me, uh, We need to go to Oklahoma. Got to go get Eli. So, what did Dave say? What do you think? I said, said, Okay. So we're going to drive over. It's four hours over there, so we'll get Eli and come back same day. Yeah. Do that. You'll hear me on Saturday on the car and truck doctors. Uh, I'll be back for that. But I got to tell you what, uh, we got to go on the Patriot Tour at the end of the month, and then uh, Eli starts uh, school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be in school starting on, I think it's the 15th of August in Oklahoma, so we got to figure out that I told him we'd bring him back for a week. So this is the time that we're going to have to do it. Sure. And I'm excited because I, I told Linda last night, I says, well, that's good because we're doing the classic movie next Tuesday. And she says, okay, so what are we going to take him to see him? Says, Wizard of Oz. All right. He's not seen it. And he's not, really? and he hasn't definitely not seen it on the big screen. So that first time he'll get to see it, he'll see it the way it was supposed to be seen. Cool. It's not on TV. That's good. So anyway, I got to go get my oil changed. I want to get the oil changed because I'm a little under forty percent, and that's okay. when I I start getting serious about getting into Joe and getting it fixed. All right, you wanted to talk something else about uh, cooling, about uh, well, what's going on in your car? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cooling systems on vehicles today are a lot different than they were years ago. It's the the high temperatures that they run these engines. They want to run them as hot as they can so they can lean the fuel mixture out, and that's fuel economy, CAFE standards. Yep. But your window between normal operating temp and overheating is smaller today. 
because if they and, and like me and Duck were talking at the break, some vehicles don't even call for the cooling fan to come on till it's two hundred and seventeen, eighteen, and some of them are up to two twenty two, some of them up to two twenty seven. Yep, and the fan comes on to cool it back down. But between the time the fan comes on, let's just say it didn't come on at 220, okay, like it should, 235, the engine's overheating. Yeah, and it's already cooking stuff. That's correct. Yeah, how long does it take? 240, you're going to be on the side of the road steaming. Okay, there you yeah, go. That's it. All right, that's yeah, 240, anywhere from 235 to 250, you're in trouble. You, you, got a, you got a short window right there. You know, two fifty, you're going to do engine damage. Yeah, and most, most time, of the time, you're going to bust a head because yep. all these heads nowadays are aluminum, and they can't withstand no heat. You're going to bust them, or they're going to warp them so bad that you can't put them back on because they can't plane them enough. Because you only can take so much off of a head. And That's then, correct. Then it's then it's no more good. And you know, even the 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 cast iron heads, you only can take so many thousands off of them before they're too thin to do anything with. And, and they do bust these aluminum heads. I, you know, we pulled many of them off, and they be busted wide open. You know, sometimes you can find them, and sometimes you can't. You know. All right. So let's give the the word that we have been giving to you for years now. If your car is overheating, pull to the side of the road. Pull over and shut it off. Turn it off. And, and you know, a lot of folks say, "Well, I had a little leak, and I've been putting some water in it." And, and today's cooling systems are designed not to run with straight water. No. They're designed to have and coolant, antifreeze coolant in it. Coolant. I it, didn't it, know that. It's a strange word. Yeah. It keeps the engine cool because its heat displacement is better than regular H2O. Yeah, regular, better than regular water because. That's correct. You know, it's, it's, if you pour it out of the jug, it's a little thicker than water. And it it just it absorbs the heat a whole lot better, and it sends it around. You know, takes it to the radiator where the the wind blowing across it can cool it quicker. But you know, it's the way it's designed. That glyco, huh? Yeah. Well, no, it ain't glyco no more. We can't, no, we can't oh, use not. that no more. Oh, really? No. Why is that? It's too sweet. People drink it and kill them. Nah. Well, they've got different different antifreezes for different manufacturers and some of them do special things but it's important to put the right antifreeze back in there and just to put antifreeze in it or coolant whatever you want to call it in the winter time it's antifreeze in the summer it's coolant but it's the same stuff yeah it comes out of the same jug so if you're low and you've added a little water to it because it's low you got a reservoir that says reservoir low and you go put it in the reservoir you're diluting your antifreeze which or in the in the summertime you're diluting your coolant so you need to put uh, coolant back in it, but it needs to be the right mix. It needs to be a 50-50 mix because there is a chemical reaction that goes on between the water and the coolant or antifreeze, whatever you want to call it, to help it do its job. Too much is bad. That's too good. little is bad, right, Doc? Ex- exactly. And, and another thing, too, like on an 18-wheeler, you had to, I got some test strips. You stick down into the antifreeze and pull it out. And I got a card. You look at it and match it, you know, whatever color it comes out. We use NICOOL. You put in it, and that keeps the radiator from coming, you know, from the electrolysis eating the radiator and stuff up. It, yeah. it, it, I've seen it eat holes in liners because it didn't have enough of the NICOOL in the system. You're learning stuff today. I'm learning. I didn't know you can't put, you shouldn't just put water in your car. 
Well, you you can, but if you if you have if a leak, that's all you got. You have, I mean, that's correct. Any anything is better than nothing if you're traveling. Right. But if you have a hey, small leak, get it addressed and fixed. I've put ditch water in them before. Right. Well, here's what I'll say. I will just from now on keep a couple of gallons of antifreeze in back of my car. Yeah, and get the 50-50 if you're going to add to it. Don't get the pure because you don't know what you got on the mix then. But if it's if it's been serviced like yours has, it's going to be a 50-50 mix. And if you have to add some to it, put the 50-50 in there. That way it's the proper mix. All right. Phone number 823-0965. 501-823-0965. You got a question for these guys to help you out? We've told you a lot about your cooling system. And I'm just telling you, not being ignorant is a good thing. Knowing exactly how that all works is a good thing to know. It's, if, if you was to see a design, how the water flows through everything, we got you know pictures of how you know how it operates same way with the way everything is all through the oil system you'd be amazed how you know how how it turns in here and goes there and back from here and back over to there to help it cool off it's you know it's it, it would amaze you the it's a lot more fancier than it used to be back in the 1970s is that what oh, you're telling me a whole lot more fancier <laughs> Because I used to run on pure water back then, no big deal. So, but not now, huh? Oh, back then we used to take thermostat out in summertime. Well, yeah, never take take it out and never, not put it back in until late in the fall. You made the statement earlier that you remember back when you were going to high school and it's cold outside. If you didn't let your car run outside in the driveway for thirty minutes before you got in it, by the time you got to school, it might be starting I to might blow not be warm able to air. See the, I might not be able to see my breath in the car. That's yeah. correct. May, maybe. <laughs> Today, a lay model car, it'll warm up very quick. Yeah. It doesn't take long. Well, I leave my house, and by the time till I've turned on to Highway 5, it's already warming starting up. starting to blow warm air. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Hey, don't forget about East Ed Towing. You need a tow, you call them, 501-888-8849. They'll take good care of you. If you've got your camper and the, the trailer and the camper screwed up, what do you do then? Call East End Towing. They'll handle it for you. No matter what the situation, they know what to do. 501-888-8849. All right, back with you. Kenneth has a uh, 1999 Ford Ranger. Good for you, Kenneth. You're keeping it in good working order, evidently. Six-cylinder, four-liter. I've got a two-second longer start. The pressure when the key is on but not running drops to zero after two seconds. After starting it, it is in the normal range of 56 PSI. When turned off, it drops to zero after three seconds. The fuel injectors are not leaking. The fuel damper has suction. The truck also has a new fuel filter. Well, that's pretty easy one there, isn't it, Doug? It's yeah. got a bad fuel pump. Check valve in the pump and lets it drain back in the tank. So yeah. every time it starts, it has to prime back up. And the 56 pounds is a little bit lower Freon, yes. a little bit lower uh, fuel pressure, too. Okay. Should be up somewhere around 64, 5 pounds. All right. So you're looking at putting a new fuel pump in. That's it. Fuel pump assembly. Okay. Well, I, th- I own that 99. I think you need to replace the pump on it. Mm-hmm. Do they have a whole assembly? Do they have it fixed where you can get into it easy? Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, got a couple of clamps and unplug it. Okay, so you don't have to pull the whole fuel tank out. To oh, do no, it. tank got to come out. All right. All right, Judy has a 2007 Pontiac Grand Prix, a six-cylinder, 3.8 liter. Uh, had all four wheel bearings replaced. Loud, rubbing, grinding, thumping noise coming from 
front, uh, the front, no noise when braking or turning, no problem with shaking or vibrating or steering. It's loudest when my foot is barely on the accelerator while driving. Over 200,000 miles on the car, but it still runs good. Well, noises are noises. Chances are she had a wheel bearing that was bad, and she had them replaced, so that noise is gone now. Now she's hearing this other noise. <clears throat> she says it's lightly when she's on the gas pedal. I'm thinking probably a mount or something. What do you think, Doug? Either a mount or a CV shaft. <coughs> I've seen them CV shafts when you accelerate a little bit. You know, it'll pop them. You hear most time of the year popping noise. You don't hear it, you know. Right. But uh, see, either mount metal to metal. Or she got a CV axle, and she does have to take it somewhere and let somebody check it. Yeah. I was yeah. talking to Steve Marston. He brought his car to Joe's. Steve, of course, is the morning man over on the fish. And uh, we were talking. He says, yeah, the car's got over 200,000 miles. I said, man, you just broke it in. <laughs> you just broke it in. You got you got another two, 300,000 miles on that car. Take good care of it. Yeah, we see a bunch of them today, Dave. They've... <clears throat> Price of new cars and the used car prices are so high. We see them all the time, somewhere between two fifty and three fifty on the mileage. Yeah, and used to you could call and tell them, "Hey, truck needs a motor in it." I got one right now. They're, they're finishing up this morning, putting a motor in it. Go ahead and put the motor in it. A year and a half ago, no, I'll trade it. Yeah, but Not anymore today you can't get. Go by the dealers and and you count how many new vehicles they got sitting on the yard. The new vehicles on the yard are sold. All they really got to sell is the used ones out front. I mean, every Ford down in Benton, I was in there yesterday picking up a part, and uh, they only had one new pickup sitting there, and it had a sold sign already on it. Yeah, because when they're when they're showing up, they're coming right directly from the factory, right? Yep. That people somebody has already had it bought it. General Motors got reserved, you know. General Motors got ninety five thousand twenty one model vehicles. That they can't sell because they don't have body control module in it. Ford's got maybe over a lot, maybe longer than what they want to hear too. Because did you hear the story I talked to yep. French Hill about yesterday about the the chips? Yep. Uh, government supposed to be millions of dollars that they're you know giving the you know get these chip uh, co- companies. Uh, uh, buildings built, and they haven't released the money yet because Schumer's got it tied up with some other piece of legislation. Idiots. But, just, but, I'll, I'll just quote Pogo again. <laughs> we have met the enemy, and he is us. But think about this, Dave. General Motors got 95,000 vehicles of 20 models. What's going to happen when they flood the market with all these 21 models? I I agree. I mean, it's going to kill the price. What's going you to happen? won't be able to give a used car away then. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll not be worth nothing. I mean, you can, you know, and Ford's got over 100000 sitting, waiting on a body control model. Now, that's in Kentucky, isn't it? The Kentucky uh, they're Speedway? They're scattered all over. I know at Kentucky Speedway, they got the, the Speedway's totally full. And mm-hmm. I hadn't heard how many Dodges got, but Dodge is in the same shape that General Motors and Ford, they all use the same body control module. Basically, they all have the same driver. I need. Uh, we got a Dodge that the AC compressor shorted out, Joe. And you know mm-hmm. what? It blowed. Yeah. It it blowed the the module, the fuse box underneath the hood. Totally integrated power module. Yeah, and there ain't none. So you know. Well, at least when it's all said and done, all right. It all won't be just coming from China because that's what was happening with this. They had one place mm-hmm. and, it, and burned. it burned down. All right. 
So uh, they're going to be a, there's a new one in Phoenix that's going to open, and there's one in Ohio that's yep. going to open. They're opening here in the good old USA. So they uh, yeah. don't have to worry about or, getting them across the. Or it should have been to start with. Well, I don't disagree with you on that. All right, we got uh, we got about six minutes, so we got time for another car here. Let's do a Nissan, the Nissan Maxima. This is a 2010. Earl's got one, six uh, cylinder, 3.5 liter. I recently just replaced my air compressor and condenser last month, also along with a brand new serpentine belt. The mechanic said the belt will more than like make noise until the, until it settles, but now I hear a clicking noise. Is that normal? My parts are factory Nissan parks, so not used or anything like that. How many times have we seen a AC compressor lock up duck and cause the belt to slip and burn the belt off of it? Regular. And what does it do to the rest of the grooves on the serpentine belt if it's a five groove or six groove? It puts rubber debris into the Pulleys. grooves and what we do is we actually have to go in there with something and clean that rubber out because the belt's not riding true and you'll hear it go that's the problem that's and i think this from what we're reading yeah i think this was uh probably a technician that didn't want to take the time to do that yeah because we take a pick and clean them yeah you just roll it up there and pick them all the way you pick all the grooves out that's all you can do get that burnt rubber out of there yeah and and it eventually it'll get hot enough it'll sling them out of there but but then you got a customer that's you know hey i got a noise and it don't sound like it used to yeah it don't don't sound like it used to i i hear it you know if you drive a car long enough you'll start noticing things that you didn't notice before I, i i hear something new I called Joe immediately. <laughs> what is this? Don't worry about it, Dave. We still have a pop in the front end that yeah. we don't know where it's coming from. Well, you know, that's the thing about noises. If you can drive a vehicle and hear it, that's one thing. But putting it in the shop and putting it on a rack, even if it's on a drive-on rack at ride height or on one that's lift up and spinch and hanging down, you've got to be able to see something that is worn out or loose that could possibly make that noise. And we that, that vehicle weighs 4,000 pounds. There's only so much bouncing and wiggling we can do with our arms. Yeah, you can't, no. you can't make it jump up off the ground. All right. Last question for you. This is a 2008 Dodge Grand Caravan 6-cylinder 3-liter. We don't have much time. Shouldn't take time too much time to answer this. The driver's seat is all the way forward. When I press the button to move the seat back, only one side moves. The right side of the seat will move, but the left side won't. Is this an electrical problem or mechanical? It's not an electrical problem. Nope. There's, that's a six-way seat. There's three motors under there, right, Doug? Yep. And the one that goes back and forward has got two cables on it. Yep. So most likely they had something under the seat, and it moved back, and it popped that one cable out. What do you think, Doug? Yep. They either popped it out or broke it, one of the two. Yeah, one or the other. Easy fix. <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> a lot of the seats. Nothing is an easy fix anymore. A lot well, of the I'm seats saying. today, you can't buy any parts for them. Nope. That's what I'm saying, buy, Dave. Buy a seat track. If an engineer had to work on this stuff for four or five years before he become an engineer, he'd change this stuff up. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just uh, just interested. That's going to wrap it up as far as the questions go. Thank you. We had some people give us a call. They didn't need to be on the air, so that uh, that works out. Uh, the bumper-to-bumper uh, uh, truck and, uh, and uh, car doctors will be on Saturday at, uh, at uh, nine, 9 o'clock, and they'll be here to answer all 
your questions if you need questions answered then remember the phone number it's 501-823-0965 so joe i'll see you tomorrow morning yes sir after about ten thirty, probably after i get off from the air and say so have a safe trip yeah yep. gotta go gotta go to oklahoma zip over there and zip back i think what i'm going to do is do it on i'll get the oil changed on friday and i'll do it after i get off the air on saturday run over there and uh, see what's going on luckily it's been done before razorback season because i'd hate to send any razorback game yeah. have you by the way we got a minute have you looked at their their schedule this year do you see who they're opening against this year i did not cincinnati Okay. That's now when they made that schedule, that was about five, six years ago. That yep. was a pushover. Yeah. And pushover no more. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be a good game. And we're going on the road this year and go play BYU. That'd right. be a good game. Yeah. That'd be a good game too. I d I don't see any of those real easy peasy games anymore. I mean Alabama comes in like the fourth week of the season. Yeah. Early that usually was towards the end of the of the year, towards when we played LSU and stuff. Now there's that pushover. We game. still got a rough <laughs> schedule, a really rough schedule. It's hard. I think it's harder this year yeah. than last year. And they said we had one of the toughest schedules in the country. I think we got the toughest schedule in the country this year. So I haven't looked at it yet, but all right. We're out of time. Thank you, Dave. We'll talk football next time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Get back here at 9 o'clock. Lori Lee, School Choice on the Dave Ellswick Show. Nine o'clock hour. I'm back with you. Got an hour to sit here and talk about really, really important things. Yesterday, we did a whole hour on uh, school choice. I talked about West Virginia, talked about Arizona, talked about Florida, talked about Indiana, talked about Iowa. Uh, school choice is really starting to sweep across uh, the fruited plains of America. I'm excited about that. And uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know I've had on uh, a lot of the elected officials, the Republicans, and everybody said, why don't we have Democrats? It's like, what Democrats in the state legislature? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's a few. There's a few. There's more than there were here when I first got here of Republicans. I, as I told you, when I started... Uh, 23 years ago, there were four Republicans in the House and one one in the Senate. So uh, they're not that far down, but they will be before it's all over with. I'm just telling you. They're, they're, they're so far to the left, they've left the field uh, of play. I mean, look, the, uh, the Teachers Union, National Teachers Union, just today announced that they'll no longer use the word mother. For K-12 students, it's birthing person. Because they want to be inclusive. Well, you're not being inclusive with me. I just think you're nuts. Okay? I think you're absolutely out of your mind. So I've got Lori Lee here today. 
I wanted to talk about, if we're going to talk about, you know, this whole thing dealing with uh, Randy Jordan, my cardiologist calling. I don't know what about. Anyway, uh, about, uh, you know, school choice. We've got to talk about it, about how is it here in Arkansas. And uh, Lori Lee has been working school choice in Arkansas for, what, 20 years? Just about. Just about. Been a long time. 20 years. Long yeah. time. First time I had you on, uh, you were fighting uh, bad books in the school library. And guess what? Now they're fighting that exact same battle in Cabot. The exact same thing you fought. They're fighting. And the school library looks, well, we're not going to change uh, the books that we put in our uh, library just because you're a cisgender white Christian. So, so my argument was never about the books specifically. It was about my right as a parent to know what my minor children had access to, mm-hmm. which is the same argument that people put forth when they talked about taking the Bible out of school. You know, you, the people who were not evangelical Christians or Christians at all didn't want their children to have access to something that they didn't believe in, which I think is, is what America's about. Our children shouldn't be, you know, I don't like to use the word indoctrinated, but it's the only word that fits indoctrinated propaganda uh, uh, pro- in a in a school they should be taught to read and write and do math and history accurate history uh, and those things and the other things should be left to the parents and and the challenge there uh, Dave as you well know is the opponents always say well the parents aren't doing their job oh well, yeah but, th- but that's always. not completely true so you know are there bad parents well of course there's bad everything uh, but we don't make laws just to or or implement policies in schools to to um, thwart efforts of parents who want to have a purview over but the that's, kids. But that's a perfect example you're making. I, I hear that all the time. Well, the parents can, or the teachers can only do so much. The parents got to do something too. And it's like, okay, so let them. Quit, quit you know, fencing them out. That's right. Because that's what you've done over the last 20, 30 years. You've told them, they've shown up and said, what do you know? You don't have a degree in education. That's exactly right. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, but I do have a degree in mothering. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, <laughs> or, got, I got or, a degree in common sense, <laughs> you know, kind of things. Okay, so enough about that. Let, let's move into the subject. I want, to, I want to talk about school choice. I have had on a ton of senators and uh, representatives. All of them have said that uh, Sarah's people – Look, whether you like it, if you're a Democrat, whether you like it or not, Sarah's going to be the next governor. All right. She's going to be the next governor. I have no doubt about it. And uh, her people are meeting with uh, the Republicans, and they're they're talking about what they want to do in the next, next session to search in January. We're less than six months away from that. Uh, and I will be there this year. I wasn't the last two years because of the whole COVID thing. But this time, I will be there again and uh, and be covering it the way that I, I try to cover it so you keep up to date on what's going on. Know this. I believe that Sarah Huckab- Huckabee Sanders is 100% hot on school choice. 
Uh, I believe that. I, I believe that Sarah understands just like uh, a lot of people around the country. And, and, and I want to share this, too. There are Democrats around this country. Uh, I think of about uh, in Illinois and Chicago in particular, uh, where the uh, African-American caucus is on board with their school choice program. Uh, and, and they know because uh, their their constituencies, their, the people that are their base, are demanding it for their kids. I mean, if you talk to somebody like, you know, Representative Deanne Vaught, she'll tell you that, you know, Arkansas already has school choice, uh, that her area already has school choice. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, if you're wealthy, you do have school choice in the state of or Arkansas. Or if you're really, really poor. Or, well, no, or if you're connected. Well, let's be honest. In a state like Arkansas that's got three million people, if you know somebody who knows somebody, you can get your kid anywhere you want to go. No, okay. You can get them to the arts and and, and, and the science, uh, math and science thing in Hot Springs for forty grand a year. You can get them to the top tier high school at Central High where there's two separate high schools there. You can you have those options. You can get them in to the nicer you know uh, schools, uh, private schools around this state. But if you're middle income or lower and you're struggling family and you have a kid who's in a public school, whether that's a public school that's failing or a school that's just not able to serve your kid with their specific needs, you're kind of SOL. I mean, what do you do? And by the way, SOL means simply out of luck. Simply out of luck. (laughs) And so, you know, it's one of those things where it's where, you know, if you are a have you have the ability to take your kid and get tutoring, uh, get therapies, uh, get uh, all kinds of other things going on. Uh, but if you're a middle income or lower, you don't have these. You don't. Have, or even if you're a higher income and you have a, a special needs child, some of these children, uh, their needs are in the tens of thousands of dollars monthly mm-hmm. for what they need to get educated. And we're talking about people that. If they have the right education, Dave, they can have jobs that are taxpaying jobs that that contribute to our communities. And and it's and I want to be clear in all of this. This is not the fault of the teachers. Okay, this is not the teachers in this state by and large are amazing. The stuff that they put up with, the bureaucracy that they have to go through, the the um, expectations. I mean, think about this. Is there any other profession in America where we have somebody take a group of people? Okay, let's just say third grade, where arguably there's there's two or three in there that should actually be in first grade. There's probably two or three of them that should be in fifth grade. And then there's another 25 in the middle that they're supposed to be teaching to and expect that teacher to take them all and have them here Mm -hmm. in nine months. There's no other profession that we expect that of. And so our teachers are doing what they can in the classroom. And I truly believe, and I know this for a fact, that 90% of Arkansas school teachers are for the programs that we're talking about because they understand the need of these students to be able to access services that will help them with their education journey, not just the the employment agency that the union likes to create uh, here in states like Arkansas. All right. So for the rest of this half hour, I want to talk about where other states are, and then I want to talk about how do we get Arkansas in those same some kind of same spots. Perfect. Uh, I just want to say again, Bruce Westerman was right when he was a state representative. He's the one that said that the money should follow the students first 
as an elected official, I think. And uh, he did a great job in 2010. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. And I ask him that all the time. I said, do you, do you feel like you got a little bit of uh, good vibes coming from that? And he says, no. He says, because it is not just one person, you know. And I understand what he's saying. He's kind of a modest guy. But the bottom line, Bruce Westerman stood up and said, if we're going to do this, this is the way we got to do it. That's the first time I think he and Charlie Collins and uh, a couple other folks, they were the first to try and run a um, something like this tax credit program yeah. that we just passed. That's, that was the very first time we submitted a bill. That's the way bill. you remember back yeah. then, it was getting around Lakeview. Yeah. And by doing it the way that Bruce and them wanted to do it, they got around Lakeview. Yep. It was equitable. It was equitable. So, you know, and I, I like talking to Bruce about it, you know, not every time that he's on the air, but I talk to him when I, when I speak to him off the air and things about this because he's excited about it, too. Oh, yeah. Finally seen it. Yep. Think about yep. that. It's, it's 13 years later, and it's happening yep. now. It, sometimes you got to plant seeds. Sometimes you get to be part of the harvest. I think the harvest is just nigh. We'll talk about that as we move on. The Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about our friends over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Eric, Eric's ready to handle you. He'll fix your jewelry for you. He'll design jewelry for you. He's got jewelry in the cases that you can pick from. If you're looking for a wedding and engagement sets, I'm just telling you, he'll save you big dollars, about 20%. Uh, when you go out to buy rings for your wedding or your engagement real estate you know you got stuff from your mom or stuff from your mother and your grandmother and you want to know what it's worth you take it to him he'll tell you he'll say here's what i'll buy it for uh if you don't want to do it that way hey here's what i'll give you and you can use it to buy some new stuff that's right here that's in the uh, the cases for you at hillcrest designer jewelry over 40 years of business Eric knows what he's doing. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6, at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, Suite E. Give him a call, 501-246-3655. Let's continue on. Got about uh, nine minutes to the bottom of the hour. Get you some local news at that time. But Lori Lee is here. Uh, She is the face of uh, school choice in Arkansas. She really is. She's been around forever. Dealing with this, and she's only like twenty-five years old. It's amazing <laughs> what she's <laughs> what she's done with her with herself in the time that she's been around. You know, I could talk about taxes as well because taxes are important to me. But this is much more important to me than anything else. It really now that we've got the life issue basically kind of straightened out. Now I want to get education straightened out again, Lori. Let's talk about some states that are working hard towards doing that. Florida has kind of been the the, the poster child for it. It started under Jeb Bush. Uh, he did a good job for that, and I know Jeb Bush. You know, a lot of you think he's a rhino. You might think he's a rhino, but he did good things for education in Florida. But then you got Arizona, who's doing big things right now, and of all places, West Virginia. West Virginia. Doing major things. Now, you told me that the courts are getting involved there. Yeah, so I found out yesterday that West Virginia's, uh, their New Hope Scholarship uh, has had um, um, 
somebody file a, a, a judgment against it. I, I don't think they will prevail. It just holds it up in court, and so they can't. They they won't be able to use it this coming school year. Um, but but here's the thing: the Supreme Court uh, came down solid. Uh, what two, three, four weeks ago? No, Maine. In the Maine case, and just said, you know what? You have to be neutral. When it comes to religion, that's what the Constitution says. You have to be neutral. You can't be for or against. Right. And so that that was a great decision. I mean, they took the the Constitution on its face. Uh, the the Constitution of the state of Arkansas is very clear as well as to we are to provide an education that serves kids. I mean, it says that in the Constitution, Article fourteen of the Arkansas Constitution is very clear. You know, you've got to give kids what they need for free to be able to be educated and to become citizens uh, that are contributing to the to the state of Arkansas. And so I, I think finally, uh, Dave, there's a uh, mind, uh, mindset shift in legislators uh, on all sides. Now, in Arkansas, that's not true. But nationally, there are a lot of Democrats and Republicans that are making bipartisan efforts to make sure that the children of their states are educated. And, and I think that we would agree, and most of your listeners would agree, once you cure the, the inequities in education, a lot of the other challenges that face our state, like crime, I mean, Little Rock, Arkansas is the 10th worst crime city in the United States of America, per capita. And, and you look at that and you think, why is that? Are you listening to Mayor Scott? Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So there's another one. You know what's so funny about Mayor Scott? Mayor Scott, I did a fundraiser for Mayor Scott when he was running for mayor. Right. Uh, and he said that he was for school choice. He said he was for children being able to have access, all children, to education. And once he got elected, he came down off that so hard, it was unbelievable. It's like Obama. Obama said he was for school choice, and then they had that school in D.C. They gave those underprivileged kids just the uh, ability to go to a really good school, and he shut it down. Yeah. Well, Joe Biden made a made a speech, uh, you know, in the seventies or early eighties about how he thought everybody should have a, have access to any school they wanted to go to. So it's not foreign, and it shouldn't be partisan. Education should not be partisan. Education should be focused on kids, not systems. I mean, this is twenty twenty two. For goodness sakes, we have school. We can teleport. Not really, but we can import via uh, Zoom or whatever you want to call it, uh, Harvard into our classrooms. Why are we allowing children in Deshea County and in the delta of this state not to have access to the same quality of education as we do the kids in northwest Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Okay, it, th- That's unconscionable. I mean, you're, you're saying I'm relegating these children to this box that they're in because of where they were born. Well, I don't know about you, but that to me sounds like the very definition of whatever ism you want to put before that. Uh, not allowing people to come out of the the place they were born into by giving them equitable access to all that this state has to offer. And what this state has to offer is we can allow any child in the state of Arkansas to have access to an education, whether that is digitally, whether that is in a classroom, whether that's going to a private school, whether that's going to a school uh, like uh, Access or like Compass and Conway that focuses on particular uh, uh, SPED services for children, um, and, and make sure that every child is getting the education they need to be successful. 
And, and I don't know why this is such a big fight. The only, the, well, I do know because the teachers' union, both on a national, state, and local level, have decided that their desire to have power and money and to be able to donate to uh, the the forest left. Um, agenda that they can is more important than our children. And, and that's an absolute fact because that's the only reason anybody involved in this conversation would want to thwart the effort of a parent, especially a lower income parent, to find the uh, services and and um, educational uh journey that their child needs to be successful what what other reason would there be well let me just jump in all right because I, I want you to explain something to us we got three minutes uh education saving account that's the new buzzword explain to us exactly what that is so it's very it's extremely similar to a health savings account it is that a a child uh, a family would be given the amount of money that is that is uh you know, given to their child for education in in uh, Little Rock, I think it's probably around twelve thousand dollars a year, and they would be able to spend that money on uh, approved services, therapies, uh, uh, tutoring, education, test. Uh, you know, if your child, we have a, a one of the kids in our program, the Succeed Scholarship, that's blind, that needs a special computer and books, uh, the, whatever it's going to take for that kid to be able to be successful at school okay and so they could spend now now the, the one of the things that the detractors or the opponents say about programs like this is you know uh, these people spend money you know on whatever they see fit no it is accountable they they don't get the money in hand they get a a um, a voucher if you will or a a account wow you just said the word I that. did <laughs> <laughs> that that they can spend in a portal on approved uh uh, approved vendors mm-hmm. uh, or approved schools for private education, tutoring, therapies, you know, the thing. Uh, uh, transportation in our law that, that failed miserably last time because the, we heard from the people, hey, look, that's great. We want to take our kid to this school, but we don't have access to transportation. So we put in 10% transportation. So you, you got $70 a month or uh, here or there, $78 a month to help get your kid to, to the school of your choice. Okay, and why you say, well, that's not a lot of money, but think of think of the economic stimulus that makes. What about the guy who hears that and says, you know what, I'll start a private bus service picking up kids in this neighborhood and taking them to this school. Yep. So, so an ESA is great. There are eight programs uh, in the nation right now. And you mentioned Florida and Arizona. Guess what they still have in Florida and Arizona, even though they have amazingly robust school choice programs in those states? Guess what they still have? They still have public schools. They do. And you know what their public schools are doing? Their public schools are thriving. better. Because the children that were struggling in those schools have been able to find places to go to get the help. And the kids that are there are being successful because the teachers can pay attention to those kids. And guess what? It may have been that they went from one public school to another public school. I mean, it's not Absolutely. necessarily. All right, let's take a break. I got uh, some news for everybody, and then we'll come back and continue talking with Lori Lee. And uh, Lori Lee's here, okay? The Reform Alliance is the group that's been fighting for school choice for years now here in the state. Uh, you should go visit their website, 
What's the website again? TheReformAlliance.org. Okay. Make sure you put the the there. Oh, the? TheReformAlliance.org. Okay, so that you can, uh, yeah, you, you just put Reform Alliance. I don't know where you end up on. It could be a sex site or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's just, one for Meek Mills that has, uh, <laughs> that has uh, their, their criminal justice. Oh, okay. TheReformAlliance.org. Go there. Join up. Be part of the of the solution, you know. More voices, more they hear you. All right. So, Lori, let's let's go back. What uh, I want to talk specifically about Arkansas right now, and if you want to talk about getting things done, it's going to be done by the legislature. The last uh, primaries that we just had showed that this is an issue whose time has come. Absolutely. So what's important to note about that is for years we have been sharing with legislators, all legislators, in every one of the districts, the 100 House districts and 35 Senate districts of this state, that their constituents uh, want and approve and support school choice efforts, that they want parents to have a seat at the table, that they want uh, children to have access. But they weren't listening to the, the parents. No. They listening to the, the teacher union. Yeah. yeah. Or to their to. superintendents, more importantly. Yeah. Because, you know, up until recently, the superintendents have had this big iron thing at the at the Capitol where what they say is, is you know, whatever. And uh, what we have found now, that there are some newer uh, superintendents. The the old guard is going away, and, and the newer ones are understanding, like I talked about the teachers earlier that you know kids need an education to be viable uh, uh citizens and so they're understanding that that is impossible for a, a a specific model to serve every child that is geographically zoned for that school you know i always make the the correlation between a kidney doctor does not get all up in arms when a heart specialist moves next door mm-hmm. okay because they serve two f- different functions okay and that's the difference in schools you know a, a a private school uh, or a charter school or a digital school or a home school serves an entirely different purpose and model than a public school. And we have some really great and wonderful public schools in this state. But then we have some that aren't so great. And then we even the great ones cannot possibly serve every child that is zoned for that school. And I think that teachers and superintendents, newer superintendents, are making that connection. But what I wanted to share with your audience, Dave, is, is that we have pulled this issue year after year after year. And it pulls in the uh, low 90s as to the support, not just in Arkansas, but nationally, of parents who want more options for their kids. Most recently, a poll was done by Real Clear Politics. 74% of voters nationally believe in school choice uh, efforts, which which through the primaries across the United States, if you look at the Iowa primaries, if you look at um, um, Texas primaries, if you look at different states, but in Arkansas... 70% of those who ran in uh, House Republican primaries, 70% of school, uh, like, out on front, this was part of the issue in that That race. That supported That supported 70% of them won. And in the Senate, 93%. 93% of people who voiced that they supported parents making uh, choices for their kids won their primaries on this issue. That's a huge deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal when you, especially given the last two years of what's happened in the education space and parents coming to the table and realizing what is going on, what is not going on, what schools are doing, what they're not doing, regardless of where you fall on that, it's not relevant. 
What is relevant is parents are now more informed and more engaged on this issue than any other time in history. Because they understand that they have to have a seat at the table when it comes to their children's education. And programs like the Philanthropic um, uh, Investment Act in Arkansas Kids that we passed last time, the mm-hmm. tax credit program that just launched this uh, last month. Matter of fact, if you're interested in getting about $77,000 annually for your child, there are still a few funds left uh, for private schools. Um, you can call our office or you can go to the website and look up the Philanthropic investment in Arkansas Kids Act and and uh, get information on how you could uh, um, that that one is income based so you'd have to be at the 200 uh, percent below the poverty line which is about 55 grand for a family of four but go and access that because there's still some funds available but but would you have ever thought when we started talking about this 20 years ago that 93 percent of senators would have won their primaries based on this this issue here's what I, I'm even having a hard time accepting is that every person that I've had come on, legislator that I've had come on, bring this subject up because the new governor seems to be so dedicated to it. That is so foreign to me. Yeah. It just blows my mind. Yeah. And I'm I you know me. I'm kind of a realist and pessimist at times. And I am getting maybe overly optimistic about this subject for next january well i i think in that vein it's imperative for your listeners to understand that unless they engage on this you know we're going to slow step this for another 20 years yeah we don't I mean, want to slow step no it. we we are primed and ready for when january comes to be able to really make great gains in this effort but only if the parents and the teachers and the citizens of this state engage on the issue and to do that you you need to you need to either contact your elected official or go, go contact us and we can help you understand what's going on in these uh in these communities and in in the districts that you live in um the reform alliance is a great resource there are a lot of other uh organizations out there that are doing good work but but they understand what happens in communities and pulling communities together to help come alongside even public schools and saying look parents need to be engaged on the public school yes, level they do they need to be engaged on every level with regard to their children and understand that that going and talking and taking a seat at the table don't ask for a seat take a seat Take a seat at the table. These are our children. These are our schools. These are our tax dollars. That's why I'm running for school board in Cabot. That's nice. exactly what I'm doing. No. I'm, and and I'm other people involved. need to do that. And, and I'll tell you what, most money, uh, people don't understand that fighting things at the national level is all great. But most of our tax money is spent right here on the local level. So run for school board, run for city council, run for these positions, and, and talk to people that have done it. And... Um, I'll just say this. When people start getting engaged, and they are, we, we have 18 communities that we, are, that we have staff in that are reaching out to share with people in communities how to get engaged, how to look at and confront and, and be a part of the conversation with their elected officials, and that's what it's going to take to do. I mean, we've been doing this stuff for 20 years, yep. Dave, when I was you know, first with American Majority running around doing this yep. kind of stuff. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Just, first of all, getting the knowledge, because facts are important in the conversation. Too many times you've seen this over and over. People get all crazy about something that's not even real. Mm-hmm. But understanding what the facts are, where we are, 
and then where we want to be and then making a strategic plan to get there. And that's what we're going to have to do with this issue. Okay. Still got a, a few moments before we go to break. There were a couple of issues that you wanted to deal with specifically and then the last part of the show it all be my questions go ahead what's the other things you want to talk about you want to talk about the elections i did i, I wanted to point that, that out uh i want to talk about the the philanthropic investment act in arkansas kids we call it that PIAC. just rolls off your tongue i know <laughs> <laughs> we call it piac p-i-a-k uh and i mentioned this just a minute ago there are still some funds available so if you're interested or want to find out more information please call the reform alliance their phone number is 501 501- Two four four nine zero two eight, or you can go to the website, uh, join our Facebook page, and get information. But there are still a few funds available. That is an income-based scholarship. We also have the Succeed Scholarship, which now that has been fully... Um, That's been around for a little bit. It's five years. And here's the thing. It has grown exponentially every year. We have used every single dollar that the, the governor has decided to give us. Fantastic. Um, and... And it has grown. This year, we went last from $3 million last year to $6 million this year, a little over $6 million, I think 6.3. And we're serving, I think, around 800 uh, families. That's great. That's, it fair, is. that's great news. It is great news. And here's what's the, the, the great thing about the Succeed Scholarship. It's for special needs children, foster kids, and military children. And so you can get uh, $7,800 a year to send your child to a school that would better fit their needs. And who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't I'm, want I'm to allow a family to take their child from a school? Here's what I know about this issue. No one takes their child out of a public school if that kid is succeeding. That's true. That doesn't happen. So if your child's succeeding, I think that's wonderful. We should support our public schools. We should support our public school teachers. We should make sure that parents are engaged on every level so that they can make sure that what's needed in that community is going on in those schools. But when a kid isn't being served, that child should have the right to take the funds that are allocated for their education that their parents are paying and use it so they can get educated so once again they become a productive citizen of the community that they live in all right remember it's the reformalliance.org you can go there and get all the information on all of what we've just talked about the reformalliance.org final break then i'll be back i'll have some questions about you know how what do we try to ignite in january that's what i want to do I want to ignite people's imaginations and, and, and get something really done. I want to go zero to 100. That's what <laughs> I want to do. Because it's time. It is time. We've been, we've been waiting at the stoplight with our, with our car sitting in park and our foot on the accelerator ready to go. Now it's time to put the pedal down and drop it in the drive. Don't forget about ICU protection. Uh, they will take good care of you if you're looking for security for your home or your business. These are the guys that uh, do uh, Nuke One. So uh, if you know you probably don't have an, an, a Nuke in, in your you know living room or in the, the back of your business. So if you know that they can protect that, they can protect what you have. Give them a call. Talk to them. Talk to them about the door and window sensors. Talk to them about motion detection. Talk about all of that, and then talk to them about cameras. Want to know about cameras? 1080p. That's what they've got. 1080p cameras. If you've got DirecTV, you know how great the sports look on it? 
that's the way your cameras will look at your home or at your business. Give uh, ICU protection a call at 501-205-1333. Talk to Billy Mack. He's the owner. And know that you'll pay for the service. You do not pay for the hardware. The hardware belongs to you. Again, pay for the service, not for the hardware. That's ICU protection, 501-205-1333. Back here for the last nine minutes. We're talking about school choice. Uh, I want to really zero in the last few moments here on Arkansas because what are, what are you expecting? Are you, are you hearing anything from the caucus or anything about what they want to do? So what I'm expecting is that, um, like I said, you know, we had huge wins for this issue in the primaries. And uh, I think coming in, we're, we're going to be strong and uh, people understand. And, and here's what I also expect, Dave. I expect a little more bipartisanness in this. Um, I believe, I, no, I know that there are people that are uh, Democrat legislators who believe in this issue. Good. No, they I'm are. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, there are people uh, in the, that are Democrats that uh, use these programs. Um, there are people that send their kids to private schools. There are people that send their kids to charter schools. There are people that homeschool their kids. Um, and so I know that they realize. I think that the thing that's going to have to happen is that they understand that they answer to their constituency and not to the superintendents and the teachers unions. And so I think that that's, you know, the, the thing that we wanted to end on today was is telling people to get involved. If you believe and I believe that 90% of our Kansans do believe this, that every child in this state should have access to an education that puts them to a path of success, meaning when they graduate, they should be able to read and do math and write a complete sentence and have the soft skills needed to to go get a job or go to college, mm-hmm. then you should believe that they that they should have access to those things that will help them get there, which means if they need to go to a private school, they are allowed to do that. If they need to have therapies or – and that's why an ESA is so important, these educational savings accounts. It's just, yeah. It's just not about going to school. Right. It's, it's about other being issues. able to get tutoring. Or, you know, we were talking about Arizona. They just they just expanded their laws uh, so that, you know, parents can spend money on approved uh, therapists, approved uh, uh, tutoring, approved uh, testing facilities, approved uh, special needs facilities. I mean, all kinds of things that are encapsulated in a child's educational journey for them to be able to be successful, especially if they somebody that needs uh, special services. And so why wouldn't we want to give that to those families? And so I think coming into January, we're going to see an uptick in people responding to this. It's going to be imperative, like we said before, that parents and teachers engage. There's a huge teacher contingency out there that believes in this issue, but they are afraid to be vocal because of their superintendents. And let me share this with you, teachers. If you believe in this issue there there is a large over 70 percent of teachers in arkansas agree with the esa concept we have pulled this year after year after year and if you agree with that you, you should get together and start talking to each other and then come out as a voice now, because you, you know you know who you can talk to yes okay yes because you see the kids every day that are struggling right. you see the families every day i can't tell you how many times we have parents that call us and say my teacher suggested that i get in touch with you because my kid needs this 
And you know what? Good for you, teacher. Good for you. Because we have some amazing teachers in this state. The teachers union and the superintendents uh, union are the are the uh, stopgap that are trying to make sure that every single dollar that is allocated for education only flows to their organizations so that they can control the narrative. And that's just not right. It's just not right. And so when parents and teachers get together and people in communities get together and understand that they have the power, that they are the community, then that's when things are going to start changing. And we have staff across the state at the Reform Alliance that will help engage and will help train people to understand the processes of the school boards, understand the processes of their elected officials, understand what happens and what should be expected, how, how their school's actually doing. Um, you know, there, there's a big move right now from the other side to get rid of the grading system, to get, through, uh, get rid of A through F so parents actually understand what their school is doing and how it's performing and what their kids are getting. Want to get rid of ACTSAT. They, they want to get rid of everything that holds any kind of accountability or transparency. I agree. And so if you are a concerned person, if you're a parent or a teacher or somebody that wants to get involved in your community, give the Reform Alliance a call. Reach out to them because we can have staff there in a matter of days talking to you and helping you form parent coalitions across this state that will engage with your public school to change things on that level or to help, you know, I mean, we've we've started uh, grade-level reading programs Programs. We've started wraparound services in communities. We've started aftercare programs. We've started summer enrichment programs. Micro schools. Micro schools. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that up. We've helped start charter schools. We've helped private schools get. We've helped embolden teachers at public schools to to change the narrative for them. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's what it's all about. That's what's being an informed and engaged citizen is about. Is taking part in your community and making sure things are working for the better of that community through our taxes and elected officials. All right. So do see the governor of Arizona said they went from zero to 100. Universal uh, school choice. I'll ask you one last question. And uh, I don't think anybody will kidnap you and waterboard you to get a lot of information out of you. (laughs) But the bottom line, Lori, is this. You talk to the lawmakers all the time. Are they getting some things ready to go so that when they hit the floor running, they've got some things to file about this? I think so. I've been in conversations, and here's what I want to tell you about that process, is we don't want to get ahead of uh, the incoming governor. We don't want to get ahead of the leadership. I understand. uh, but, But we want to come alongside and say, here's what the people of Arkansas are saying. And here's the palette, and here's what's needed, and then you guys look at what's happening in Florida, Arizona, West Virginia, and let's let's do the best we can for the kids. I mean, it, it's not about like you know, for me, it's not from going from zero to a hundred. It's literally from taking education from a, an employment agency for the unions to. Uh, a program that helps get kids from zero to 100 when they graduate to be able to read, write, and do arithmetic so that Arkansas can stop being 49th and 50th in education, number three in obesity, and number 10 in crime. All right. Aren't you glad you tuned in at 9 o'clock today to hear what Lori Lee had to say about school choice? Makes me excited. Get my blood and my heart pumping. And you who are watching it here on Facebook, share it with all your friends. 
That's what we want you to do. Give us a call. Thanks, Lori. Thank you. Appreciate you being Always here. Appreciate we're we're going to have you back on, of course, and uh, we're going to have a lot of other people on about school choice because this is going to be, you know, my kind of uh, ground zero coming up for the next legislative session. All right. Dave Ellswick Show, be back with you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Rob uh, Steinbach and, of course, uh, Chris Corbett will be with me. We'll talk to the voice of the, the Travs, and we'll talk about movies. I'm going to go see Thor, Love and Thunder, today uh, at the, on the big screen, and I'll tell you all about it tomorrow on the show. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm out till 6 a.m. in the morning. Have a good day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.